Hello and welcome to the Goddess Project Podcast side series, Goddess Talks. I'm so very excited to share this side series with you, which are just going to be a few episodes um, that are embedded through the other episodes, the regular episodes of the Goddess Project. And the Goddess Talks will be interviews with other scholars, with other people that are in the field of goddess worship, of the divine feminine, people that I really want to talk uh, to about the goddess. So this series is a little bit selfish and in the sense that it is something that I enjoy doing and that I love doing. And so I'm very, very excited to share it with you guys. And I'm very excited to have these conversations and, you know, widen the circle and of scholars and widen the knowledge that can be shared. Often a lot of scholars that are doing really fantastic work are not on social media or haven't really developed like a YouTube site or other site. And then sometimes they have fantastic social media. And so I really would like to share with everyone some of the people that inspire me and some of the writers that I find intriguing and also that I find their research super intriguing. So welcome to the Goddess Talks series. I hope that you enjoyed the series as much as I enjoy recording it. This week, I had the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Glennis Livingstone, such an intriguing academic and scholar and a wonderful human being um, that wrote a fantastic book that I highly recommend. And that was part of our Goddess Reads book club for a little while. And I also use it in many of my courses. So Dr. Glennis Livingstone is a PhD who has been on the goddess path since 1979. She is the author of Pagayan Cosmology, Reinventing Earth-Based Goddess Religion, which fuses the indigenous traditions of old Europe with scientific theory, feminism, and a poetic relationship with place. She was born and lives uh, in the country of Australia, where she, was, where she has facilitated seasonal ceremonies for decades, taught classes, and mentored apprentices. She is the author of the children's book, My Name is Medusa, which is fantastic, and co-editor of the anthology, Revisioning Medusa, From Monster to Divine Wisdom, also a fantastic read. Um, Glennis teaches a year-long course called Celebrating Cosmogenesis in the Wheel of the Year for both hemispheres. Her website is pegayan.org. I have all the links below. Um, to her books, to her website, and even to her Facebook group uh, that she leads on Facebook. So welcome to Dr. Glennis Livingstone. I hope you'll enjoy this interview. We had a blast filming and talking, so I hope that you'll enjoy this interview. Okay, so welcome, Glennis. It is so nice to meet you. Uh, for the, Not for the first time, because we've been talking on uh, Facebook uh, a little bit back and forth which is really, really great, which was actually what gave me the idea that we should talk about these things, you know, more together other than, than, than on Facebook. Um, and so I have a copy of your book right here. Okay. I love that. I love that. I have actually, a guy, guy, you know, guy. Yes, yes. I've actually used it. Uh, I have a couple of mentor students that I mentor and I've recommended it to them. And it has been a really great success. Uh, so just so, just so you know, it had like they were like, I really loved that book. It was, it was dense and informative in a way, you know, like it had meat. 
Right. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, like it looks like Len is putting a lot, like a lot of work um, into this text. Yeah. So you see, you see? Yeah. It came in the old days when you still had to do a hard copy of your PhD. <gasps> wow. A doorstop. Wow. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, so this is a, a perfect segue. I was going to ask you about your PhD. What, what was it and what inspired it kind of thing? And how long did it take you? Well, um, for starting, it only took me three years. Well, to write, the, to write the thing only took three years because that's the time I had for, I had a scholarship and I knew I couldn't do it without the scholarship. But it was based on work that had been, you know, I mean, I had been celebrating the seasonal ceremonies. Well, I began in about 1988 and then it got really formal in about 1998. And um, that was around about the same time I applied to do the PhD because I realized that a lot of the people who were coming to, I was giving conference papers on celebrating the seasons. Amazing. And uh, at, you know, different conferences. Mm -hmm. And I, a lot of the people who came were university people who were being paid big bucks. And I was living on the sniff of an oily rag. And <laughs> but they were coming to listen to me and yeah. they liked what I had to say. So I thought, oh, I better go down to the local university because I did have a master's in theology and philosophy. Nice. Um, and the University of Western Sydney Social Ecology. And um, they, they, I applied at there to do the PhD. Uh -huh. and it was really, for me, um, I knew I wanted to, to do a study of the female metaphor of the goddess in her three aspects. You know, I mean, I had been in theology and, you know, there's all these terms about the Trinity and they've written here. And I think, well, I'm going to do a study of the female trinity you know female yes, that's right and that's i so i knew that's what i wanted to do but i was also very passionate about um brian swim's work uh you know and thomas berry the universe story hmm. i thought well these and they had three qualities of cosmogenesis and i thought well somehow or other it's all got to come together but you know the the radical thing for me was when i told the university professor what I wanted to study. He said, what do you want? What do you want to write? I said, well, I'm very scared, you know, that he would right. think it was rubbish. Right. Uh, study of the three aspects of the goddess. Oh, yes, he says, okay. And, and he, like, he, he just, he didn't blink an eye. He just like, oh, yes, okay. Took me seriously. Oh. Like, <laughs> so that, for me, it was like he took my hand and helped me over a chasm. Yes. Yes, yes. And, and even one of my uh, friends, male friends, said to me, when I got the scholarship, they're giving you a scholarship for that. <laughs> That's what it was at. And I, I was remembering recently that, you know, I had a master's in theology and philosophy and I was trying to sort of see if I could teach at the local seminary or something like that. Uh-huh. But after a while, I just knew it wouldn't work because I wouldn't compromise. You see, yes. I couldn't really fit in. You know, I, I, what I wanted to teach was about her, you know, the great mother. Yes. And it really just didn't. So, and I always used to say back in those days that a, a degree in theology was an eminently useless degree for a woman to have. That's firm, but true. I think firm, but true, you know. I, I, but, it, but then it, there was a point at which I stopped saying that when I started to realize, I mean, it is the ground. Mm. you know, upon which I was able to launch into the PhD. True. Also true. Yes. 
Yes. So yes. it has become useful. <laughs> yes. Yes. I. It's funny that you say that because I have a similar... So my PhD was uh, Artemis in Ephesus and how she sort of transmuted or fused with uh, the Virgin Mary. And for a long time, people would say to me, well, do you want to teach at a Catholic uh, college or a theology college? But I thought the same thing. I thought, you know, I don't think that my, and with, with all respect, I love the Virgin Mary. I grew up with her, but I don't think that my views, my academic views, my personal spiritual views align with like Catholicism in that way. And I think I'm going to go to those schools and start teaching about, you know, the divine feminine and the goddess being manipulated into all these anyways and they would be like Carla uh, there's a door <laughs> this <laughs> yes. is not what we paid for you know yes. so I, I I get it in a way that that theology doesn't always fit right you know it doesn't feel like the right fit no yeah. no yeah it's like you know I often used to speak about you know like Mary it was like you know what the church did to Mary was like you know trying to hold a, a bubble of air in the bottom of a fish tank yes yeah, and really, she her she needed to rise. You know where she belonged was in the I open. Love it. Yes, yes, and it's they, 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 the they, they, they try to sit on her, and and, and you know, yeah, and yeah. say, oh, yeah. No, I love that. I love that, and actually, I love the whole egg imagery too, as well. Because yeah, exactly, yeah, that's fantastic. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions. See what you think. Uh, what what your opinion is? I was reading. Where do I want to start? Um, I was reading. Okay, so I was reading about the Virgin Goddesses, of course, and uh, you talk a little bit about Artemis. Every time I see Artemis somewhere, I'm like, um, where where do you like where do you think she fits in your in your work? Since Ooh. you know, yeah, what do you think? Like. How do you think she, what do you think of her actually? I don't know. Well, Artemis was my first goddess. Now, I don't know why mm. that was so, uh, but she's definitely appealed to me in the very earliest of days. Oh. Um, and, and and maybe it was because it was this, um, this virgin quality, the spiritual warrior, as we understand virgin to mean, you know. That's right. Pathanos, she right. who is under herself, um, a spiritual warrior. Yes, and I like that term. I like that term. Yeah. 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 So I think that's why she appealed because I certainly needed it. Mm. <laughs> that was a quality I certainly needed. Because, uh, you know, there was, as there is often in our lives, a lot of compost. And, mm. um, to get your way, find your way out of that, to find my way out of that. I needed that quality, you know, the, the urge to be, as I call it, you know, and and Artemis certainly embodies that, you know, with her arrow and, uh, and you know, in in the in-bulk ceremonies, the early spring rituals that I do, Artemis is a very strong part of that and her arrow flying true and on center. And we pass an arrow around the circle and hold oh, it wow. to our hearts. Oh, and, wow. and, so that we can be, you know, invoking Artemis so that we can fly true and on center. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Yeah, the arrow is it's beautiful. You know, I have a beautiful arrow and it's, well, I don't know, I actually don't have to shoot it, although it has been shot in its time, I think. <laughs> um, and I do have a bow that is not properly strung. So it, it, it's always we put the bow on a, a red aisle uh, with, along with Artemisia, the herbs, 
artemisia herbs i have an artemisia plant oh wow. wherever i go i make sure i plant an artemisia wow. and then for the early spring rituals you know i cut some and tie it with silver bows and ribbons and and we have it there and each of us gets uh, a, an artemisia each one gets one everyone gets one and you know rubs it and tastes it the bitterness of that herb because that's the herb that's used to midwife it's it's used to ease the pain of birth yes 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 okay wow uh wow yeah that's really beautiful glennis that's wow and when you say we are you so are you referring to a circle a community yes 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 you see for decades i um I guess it was, you know, it started really formally, as I say, in 1998, doing the, all the seasonal celebrations, uh, the eight of them on the old European calendar. Um, and so there was always a group and it started with my moon circle. I had a moon circle back in those days. And, and, and we actually used to meet before that in the, in the mid 90s. And we do some of the seasonal celebrations. That's where it really began. And that's where I got a taste for it. And I thought, oh. And that's where I, you know, sensed the power of it. It was like, hmm, I sensed the power of doing the se seasonal ceremonies. And thought, well, I've got to take this more seriously, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, so, yes, there's always been a we, because there's always been willing participants. And I started with my moon circle. But when, you know, then in my place, or was, I used to have to move around because I didn't really have a place. I had, um, I did have a, a home where it could happen, but there have always been willing participants. And certainly when I began the PhD, there was a committed group who were part of the, the drummers, the women who were drummers. Wow. And we would have pre-ritual meetings and post-ritual meetings. And um, so they were really helped, you know, inform, we informed each other as we do in circle. Yes. And, uh, and then when I partnered, took my partner Taffy um we continued doing it at my place but he, he really built the goddess ceremonial space oh wow it's called moon court and if you google it you find it and it's on my website moon, moon court so once they were already happening um as I say and you know I had to interview all the willing participants some of them for the PhD yes yes um, but certainly when Moon Circle, when Moon Court got built in 2008, um, they continued right through the construction. And I have photos of, you know, the things set up in the middle of construction. <laughs> we still did it, you know. You know, I mean, the earth doesn't stop turning. You don't say, oh, we won't do it this time. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. We just did whatever we did in the middle of construction. And, um, yeah, so there was always... And sometimes they were quite large, I can't believe. Sometimes, you know, we had 23, uh, which was large for that space. And then sometimes they were very small, but I never, I didn't ever worry about how many people there were. Okay. You know, I don't yeah. think it really matters. Yeah, I agree. And even that's with students as well. You know, if I had one for the year, you know, that's all that mattered. It didn't matter. You know. That's wonderful it's like it's wonderful that you've had so much so for me I just recently started the whole so this was the first Christmas that I didn't celebrate Christmas oh, um, you did. Christmas. <laughs> right okay right. It, it was the first time that I said 
you know what? I'm just going to admit that it's, I'm not celebrating Christmas. It's not for me. I'm moving towards the solstices. I'm moving towards the wheel, but it's really the first year that I'm practicing and reaching out to circles of women. So I feel like I came from it from a different way because I came through school, like through academia. And so it was very difficult to break out of academia into like non-academia. Yeah. When you say you celebrate Chris, you celebrate Christmas this year. Do you mean you celebrated winter solstice this year or you actually did the Christian thing? No. So I didn't celebrate Christmas. This was the first year I didn't. And so winter I did solstice. winter solstice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and last year was the first year that I did all the solstices. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm. With groups. Yes. Uh, and it's so powerful. It is. It it's is so powerful, you know, uh, and as an academic, it was very difficult to uh, to participate in a way because I don't know. It felt for a long time. It felt like woo woo, right? It feels like uh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It feels like it feels like woo, but it feels right. So it's a weird thing that you have in your head, right? Because you have that sort of mindset, and then you have the actual feeling of participating. Yes, yes, yes. And I, and I think that was the challenge for me. Uh, and I love your story that you were already there and then you got to do the academic part. And you said that you, you use participants. Is these the participants that you were talking about in your circle? Yes. Some of them uh, who are still with me now, who, one of them who, who attends online now, which is a very small thing I do online. Mm -hmm. But uh, she, since the, in late in 1998, she and some, you know, usually her partner, who was a in he was an he was an academic he was vice chancellor of one of the universities but he used to come and sit on the floor with everybody else and um yeah so th they were with me right you know there was quite a few who've been with me for a long time and it, as I describe it it's like an open system so you know the it was it continue it was like a body that continued to be and sometimes it would but it would change there were some who were consistent, but wow. there's often you know, a change in wow. that open. It was an open community, right? But there were people, and certainly the ones that I interviewed for the PhD were people who had been coming for quite a period, of you know, a period of time. Right, right. And so then, is the PhD? I think you say in the introduction that the PhD is the inspiration for this book. Yes, yes, it and is. So what do you think? So what what may be the difference or the ah well for. After I did the PhD, I thought, oh, well, this is it, you know, <laughs> uh, and then I tried to, you know, kind of sell it to publishers, you know, yeah. I, I into a, but, you know, I mean, it had three, it look, the title of it was ridiculous, you know, it has, it says, the female metaphor, virgin mother crone of the dynamic cosmological unfolding, her embodiment in seasonal ritual as a catalyst for personal and cultural change. <laughs> and I was delighted that, you know, at the doctoral, when I, I got my doctorate, they had to read all that out. <laughs> <laughs> and it took up a lot of space in the program. I was very happy about taking up all that space. But, you know, when you want to publish a book, you cannot. You have to, you know. So I had to try and work out what is the title of this, you know, what. And, 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 this, and I hadn't. Anyway, it was it was a synergistic conversation that I do describe in the new book, particularly that my partner and I had 
when Starhawk was visiting Australia. And I was saying, because mm, she was a major inspiration. I said, mm, yes. you know, I, I identify my spirituality as Gaian, you know, really Gaian. But, you know, it has pagan roots. It's really pagan. And he says, oh, what about Pagayan? I said, that's it. And the lights went on. That's it. And it's, I said, and, and it's a cosmology. It's, it's, yeah. And so we immediately put it into Google Pagayan and we sort of, you know, I mean, we were the only ones that had the title and the name, you know. But um, as soon as I had the name, yeah. then the book, could, then the thesis could transform. And, and I transform and I wrote, rewrote, you know, bits, just edited the PhD into right. book. Right, right, yeah. which is perfectly fine. And so for people, for example, who haven't yet read the book or, or are planning to buy it, how would you, let's say, define Pagayan cosmology? And I know it has Gaia in it and Pagan in it. How, yeah. How yeah. Would you explain that to anybody? Yeah, well, it, well, you know, it's Gaian because it's um, Earth-based. Mm -hmm. and, and and it's combined science, you know, um, going on the Gaian theory, James Loves Love and Lynn Margulis, and um, the evolutionary understanding of how we got here, you know. Mm. Yes. So the evolutionary story, and Charlene Spratnack probably was one of the, you know, she wrote in a magazine called The Woman of Power, um, about Gaian spirituality and I don't know what year that was but you know she she called it Gaian spirituality and what and she was one of the readers for my thesis in the end because Charlene has been very important you know but um and I knew she knew what I was talking about you know she knew she knew the combination of Gaian what Gaian spirituality was and it was that it was part of the evolutionary it incorporates the evolutionary understanding of how it got here um, and then Starhawk, you know, yeah. I was totally dependent on Starhawk's uh, work when I was no longer in the Christian paradigm. Mary Daly was the one that, you know, blew me out of the water of the Christian thing. Wow. Yeah, I, all, the people, all the people I admire as well. All the women yeah. I admire as well. Yeah. So, you know, Mary Daly, so I was blown out of the water with the Christian thing. That's all over. It's finished. I'm out of here. Um, but what's, you know, you have to have something. So Starhawk provided that, you know, her, her um, spiral dance book and yes. ceremonies. And it turns out when I talked to Starhawk, I was in her first class that she did in San Francisco in 1980. I didn't realize that was her first class, but I was in Berkeley and I went to her class in 1980 in San Francisco. And then I invited Starhawk up to the seminary and she, and she talked at the seminary because, oh. and I still have a notes. But anyway, so Starhawk was very important and, and the pagan thing, you know, that was where I could ground myself. But there was still too much of the God in lots of the pagan stuff, you know, for me. Right. So I'm not sure how what the question was there. But um <laughs> oh the pagan and the pagan and the guy and pagan and and um how that came together for me. Yeah. Um I'm not sure if I'm going to answer you. Okay. No, that's fine. And Because I, I was just thinking as you were saying that there's a lot, you mentioned a lot about Gaia also as well. And yes. so it actually makes me think of that and of that concept of like parthenogenesis and right, that kind yes. of early, um, I yes. don't know if it's feminine birthing or 
birthing without the male consort or the male god. Yes, well, it's right there. Parthenogenesis is right there in the evolutionary story. You know, the the, the first cell divided by itself. That's right. Know? That's right. That's right. So it's right there. Uh, what it's called mitosis, right? Isn't that yeah. mitosis? Right. That's right. And so it, it's happening for, you know, creativity of the cosmos is happening for a long time before there's a um, meiosis. Yeah. Before the, the the sex, the gender thing, the sex. That's what happened. That's, that's right. uh, I think it's at uh, 1.5 billion years ago, <laughs> something like that. I'd have to check. But anyway, um, yeah, so it, it, pathogenesis is right there. Mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. it happens it has happened mm -hmm. and it happens still mm -hmm. yes and it and and i think for certain it bled into even as far as like pre-archaic greece you know because i think like people like hera and all the greek goddesses there's there is that argument that they were parthenogenetic goddesses before you know the male consorts yeah well you know marguerite rigoglioso yes uh, Yes, she. I mean, I was in communications with her when she was doing her PhD. Oh. So I got her. I had her PhD before she got it published. You know, so oh. I was communicating with her because I was writing this article on Gaia for mm. Patricia Monaghan, mm -hmm. uh, and um, so yeah. I, what Marguerite writes very well about the early, you know, Hera, Artemis you know, a, a lot of the goddesses and the priestesses and introduces the possibility, which is, you know, hard for our minds that have been so colonized to get around the fact that the possibility that the early priest, the earliest priestesses, at least in, in, in a, I was conscious, I was focusing on Gaia, mm -hmm. the earliest priestesses at Delphi, uh, practice parthenogenesis. Yeah. Yeah, that is that a hard one to wrap your mind around. Yes. 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 That they knew enough about their bodies. You know, I mean, I had a friend who, who knew enough about her body that she never used um, tampons or so if, when she went out with her period, she would just stop it. Oh, my God. She could she could control her bleeding. Wow. When. So I thought, mm. and. Uh, the work of Carly Cargill, who wrote uh, Don't, Don't Take It Lying Down. She did her whole PhD on uh, contraception with, you know, mind, body. Wow. It's, uh, Carly's very familiar. Uh, I've got her book, yeah, Don't Take It Lying Down. Wow. And uh, she did her PhD on that. So the, from those small experiences, I know that there's more possible than, you know, yeah, I wonder. And, and, yeah. and the story of how Delphi declined. Yes, I was just going to say that. I yeah, I wonder if that's tied into that. Yeah, yeah, and became a male-dominated space, you know, with Apollo yeah, yeah. and love and and, and used politically, and so that at some point, you know, they could say disparaging things about the the priestesses because in some ways they were true. They were uneducated. They they just had declined. The whole thing had fallen apart. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I, I agree. I've come across so many, and I, Mar Margaret Reglio, Margaret Reglio, so. Um, I, yes, I, <laughs> I use sorry, Margaret. <laughs> yeah, sorry. 
sorry. Uh, I used both of her books when I was doing my PhD because it they were so uh, the Divine Birth one and then the other one. Yes. yes I, can't I, remember. I can't remember what the other one is called. It's uh, yeah. Goddesses or Antiquity. Yes, yes, both of those. And yeah. they were, you know, foundational. Yeah, foundational to uh to my work. But they were the first time that I really read um these details about the bees and how the bees, of course, were thought to be parthenogenetic animals or whatever. Um, and how that was connected to Delphi and how they made it was the first time that I read um about I can't remember exactly because it's been a while, but that they made some kind of a bee fermentation and the priestess would allow that to come into her body. All right. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, they had to sit on a tripod. Right. I mean, that's the radical thing, you see. They had to sit on a tripod. So the vapors, the vapors coming up from the earth yeah. came, they were, well, even without the what the fermentation thing, the vapors themselves were hallucinating. Well, they gave you an altered state. Yes, they were entrancing, right? And so, yes, the tripod, you know, with their legs apart. I mean, you can see why when the Christian guys come along, they're horrified. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> what are they doing there? Yes, yeah. No, that's a great. That's a great. I I also did an episode on my podcast about uh, how Apollo is said to have slain the the python, you know, the snake. And yes. sort of that snake mythology too around Delphi. Does you know how do you feel about snake cosmology and the snake in in sort of in pagan cosmology? Yeah, well, um, you know, snake is very important in our Samhain celebrations, mm. in particular. Um, I even make gingerbread snakes. Oh wow! <laughs> we make gingerbread snakes, so that it's part of the ceremony and the devouring of the gingerbread snake um in three parts and that is part, most that is inspired by robin morgan's poem with robin morgan's poem the network of the imaginary mother from her book uh lady of the beasts no i haven't i'm not aware of this book or okay. poem oh here we go it's it's a well-worn copy <laughs> <laughs> Lady of the Beast by Robin Morgan, and you know I've had it for a long time. I mean, that was one of the earliest poems. Was the Network of the Imaginary Mother, and it's up on my website with Robin actually reading it. Oh, um, wow, okay. So uh, you can send me that link, and I'll add it in our description yeah. below. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to send you the link. Um, but you know that poem, that poem was very important to me for all kinds of reasons over the time. But the bit where she talks about the carapaces split the skin. Uh, the shed skin lies upon the ground and uh, I must devour the exoskeleton of my old shapes, wasting no part, free only then to radiate whatever I conceive. So she uses the metaphor of the snake there. And so I, you know, incorporate that very much into Samhain um, celebrations. Wow. And understanding the snake, uh, you know, and, and how, why it was valued so much in goddess cosmology in terms of its its power you know for all kinds of reasons probably even beyond my well certainly beyond my ken but um you know the shedding of the skin yes and its capacity for transformation and renewal mm -hmm. and joseph campbell writes about that you know as well you know that yes. 
so you know it's, it's common knowledge amongst anyone who understands mythology yes one of the saddest thing I think uh sometimes I'll teach um like Adam and Eve and stuff like that in some of the religious courses I teach and one of the first things I say is like who's afraid of snakes you know and uh the majority of the time women put their hands up and I start that off with like you know this is the kind of thing that breaks my heart because it's been 2000 years in which uh, they've succeeded, they have succeeded in splitting women from a very powerful symbol of power, you know, and it's a bit heartbreaking. And I don't know how long it's going to take us to return yes. to that relationship. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I do say, and I don't know page, page number it is, but somewhere uh, about Medusa, you know, and, and it's often it's quoted around the place about, you know, to understand that image of Medusa as the face of divine wisdom. Yeah. The kind of change, that's the kind of mind change that it will take, you know, because most people, when they see Medusa, it's kind of like, oh, scary, right. you know, like horror, horror, uh, because that's what, that's what we're brought up with. But if one can, the kind of shift that's required is to be, to be able to look upon that face as a face of divine wisdom is a kind of shift that's required for yes. for yes. the future for, for now yes um I love that yes I've never thought of her you know I think of her as powerful and a source of knowledge because I always find that the snakes on her head are very symbolic right of that sort of you know yeah but div divine yeah the face of divine wisdom that's really beautiful Glennis yeah um so, but it is, you know, that is the kind of mind shift that's required. So I can understand why you're, you know, because if you're in an environment where you, that's what you hear all the time, it's like, oh, horror, horror. Yes. And, you know, I mean, plenty of my relatives around here would, <laughs> and they like, oh, what's Glennis doing now? <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to yeah. go to her place. <laughs> yes. 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 Well, every time I tell my friends that I hang around with witches, they get a little bit weird. Or last night I told my my students that I will be spending the weekend with witches and they kind of looked at me and were like, so is there dark magic happening? <laughs> Are you afraid? And it's, you know, it, like I have to really breathe through that in a way because I'm like, I'm so sad for them because they're 20, you know, they're young and they've already been so brainwashed. Yeah. Uh, right <laughs> and it's like and so then we but it starts a conversation I think and this is why I think this is so important you know in your book and other things because it starts a conversation about other ways of celebrating right yes. ancient ways of celebrating yes well you see when my life fell apart and it, apparently that's required it is required I'm hearing this I'm hearing this <laughs> I'm hearing this you gotta start again girl you gotta start again girl so <laughs> down you go and um okay okay so but you know then trying to find out well what can I trust you know all the you know perennial wisdoms that we you know have been so infected by you know patriarchy and um what can i trust and what does it come down to you know and it come for me it came down to the earth moon and sun mm. that's real because that's what is happening mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. The creativity of the cosmos seems to be all that matters. <laughs> creativity seems to be all that matters. Yes. And, and so that's what, you know, and so that's what I go, well, that's what I've got to do. I've just got to live in that time space. Right. Right. And it's, so, it's, how, yeah, sorry. And so how do you feel about then? Do you feel like, mm, do we feel like we need a return or do you feel like we're on the way to a return? Yeah. Well, you know, it's many say that the sap is rising when mary condren said the sap is rising well you know they've just got their first public holiday for bridget for heaven's sakes really yeah yeah ireland the, the last on monday the 6th of february was was oh, the yeah. uh, public holiday and it's the first uh public holiday for bridget whoever oh. they whoever the end is they talk about um you know the, so there's great conversations happening in ireland and huge differences of opinion you know goddess saint you know human being who she was and who she is i see so the sap is rising yeah. he says as mary condren said even if it's even front page of the irish times <laughs> <laughs> so she's she's definitely arriving and and arising uh and and even for myself you see i mean when i first started this in the whenever it was mm. ancient history <laughs> back in the 80s <laughs> Uh -huh. you know i mean a voice in the wilderness you know and scratching the surface and you know i mean i had to go a long way away to berkeley to from australia to to do what i wanted to do because i knew it was happening over there but now i mean you know wow it's everywhere and and books that used to be that i read and that were important you know that they're being read again by young women, young, you know, the great cosmic mother, you know, there's something, oh, isn't this a good book? And, you know, yeah. so, and for my, even my own work, it's finding a new audience, you know, when I, I've edited, uh, you know, the different bits of Peg Iron Cosmology and published them as articles mm -hmm. on Return to Margot, because uh, I contribute there, there's a new audience, you know. Mm -hmm. people, young people who want to know yes and, and old on all kinds of people who want to know now say oh mm -hmm. right yeah. so yes it's definitely it's definitely you know yes and yes. happening which which i think is fantastic uh, it feels like momentum it does feel like momentum you know and even for myself bringing so for example merlin stone and even yes. uh, charlene spretnak even though that was a little better uh but um i can't remember who wrote the creation of uh, gerda yeah gerda learner gerda learner thank you yes. um so these these names these writings were on my list for my phd and you know, I got my P I finished my PhD in 2016, but it took me about six years. And so let's say 2010, when I put them on the list, some of my committee were like, no, these are not, uh, you know, these are not books we want to use. They're dated. They're all about goddess worship. Um, I, I got a lot of, um, pushback from the women on my committee. Yes, yes. I mean, the men on my committee either didn't know or didn't really care. They were like, yeah, okay, this looks good. Um, but the women were very aware of sort of, I guess they were really afraid of this sort of goddess worshiping 
right? Um, and so I read them anyways, but I had a very hard time trying to get them into my PhD. Wow. You know? Yeah. 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 And so now this is why I do the goddess reads on Facebook because I have them and I just want to share them and talk about them with people. And I really haven't had that chance to do that uh, in the academic world. Yes. Yes. And it's true. You're like, so before I published the book, I would, I, if you asked me, I would say, oh, there's not that many goddess worshipers left. Imagine. <laughs> there's more and more of them happening. <laughs> Imagine my ignorance. Right? Oh no, that was like a nineties thing. It's not happening anymore. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, and then I published the book and all these people just came out of the woodwork. And I thought, wow like are we ever in the ivory tower you know right are we ever and so and so I'm really glad I'm really glad that that you see that too that that you see the so I was going to ask you a, a weird question which is sort of because you live in Australia which I love and I hope to visit but how does it affect I know the wheel kind of goes differently in Australia how like do you think that that affects the energies or anything differently like when half the world is doing it this way and half like how do you feel like that affects you the energy I guess of the practice um yeah well it's definitely an important factor for me you know in the earliest days um because you know everyone would be always talking about winter when it was it was you know and you know I grew up where even around me still at winter at summer solstice people are doing christmas yeah and there's all these reindeers and snow and santa's in and it's blazing hot you know and it's not a time for lighting candles but that, there's still all of that metaphor around me in the shops and and in every mainstream you know people doing it all the time yes. and so it wasn't until i went and experienced winter solstice in the northern hemisphere which i did and and its relationship to christmas and when i got back from um the northern hemisphere came back to australia i knew i could never do christmas again you know wow. that was in 1988 or 1986 or something like that um so that was sort of like the <laughs> the definite thing that uh i had to do summer solstice at summer solstice i had to do winter solstice at winter solstice and you know just can the whole you know so i i was able and i was able to do it because you know my children were sort of growing up but i understand how difficult it is for people with young children mm -hmm. not to do christmas right but i have seen it it is possible to transform it into summer solstice and still give each other's gifts because you know you can do it you know, it can right. make the and there are creative pagans here in the Southern Hemisphere who, do, who do that. Um, so I, you know, yes, it was definitely an important part of doing the Celtic calendar, the eight seasonal, my my indigenous heritage, your old European heritage. Um, I'm 68% Scott, apparently. Hmm. Um, translating that into my place, doing the seasons in my place and creating the wheel and, and and it actually goes the other way sunwise you know sunwise is is around a different way because yeah. the sun is moving across the sky to a northerly in the northerly that's right so 
it sunrise is different as yes. well uh so it's an important part of peg iron cosmology was the creating of that wheel my indigenous heritage in this context now this land that i am on is uh aboriginal land i it's waka waka people uh is, is my homelands um so and there are creative people here in the southern Hemisphere, pagans who are incorporating more of that but you know it's i think uh that could be understood also as appropriating but it, so there's a, a, a balance between you know acknowledging the place that i'm on the, yes. the land we're on and understanding the different metaphor that will arise out of this place you know there's different flora and fauna yes uh, you know so that can be but you know it, it can be incorporated into the indigenous and there is evidence that the indigenous peoples of this land in different places actually had wheels had circle stones there are stone circles Excellent. they found stone circles in the in the southeast um so there's a lot more went on here than the white europeans ever cottoned on to and right. only beginning to scratch the surface of as indigenous people now get to speak again about what they remember yeah what has been stamped out yes and, and and they the indigenous people of this land have in different regions you know that some of them only have five seasons some of them have 12 seasons some of them do have eight seasons so there are different wheels mm -hmm. and, and there's there's a group who actually have recently made a wheel Oh, well, they made lots of wheels for different regions, and I was very impressed. But they they go in the northern hemisphere direction. Oh. <laughs> so I think, oh, yeah. But you know, I mean, the indigenous, the elders who gave the information, yeah. it's being translated into Western frame, and the Western frame is northern hemispheric. And so where they just gone, you know, I said, uh, that scrambles my brain. It really needs to go this way. But anyway, yeah yeah because i saw your pictures i always see your pictures when you're doing your celebrations and especially around christmas or the opposite you know in the summer solstice and i see your photos and i always ask myself like you know how do you do it and how does it affect does it affect you you know uh because yeah you're on you're on an opposite you're on an opposite or a mirror so it is very much and and that's the thing about a southern hemispheric mind if the southern hemispheric mind really does you know the seasonal moments when when you know you do get because you're all the time being confronted with the northern hemispheric thing i imagine so you know what's going on there um and it is a mirror you know they they they're coincidental the word coincidental they actually are coincidental wow. and you can't have one without the other it's not possible True. it's not possible we live on a we live on a, a, a planet that's three-dimensional round right. and it's not possible to have one without the other yeah. and so they do feed each other like in bulk and, and llamas feed each other and winter solstice and summer solstice feed each other i mean you know winter solstice the new the new form comes into being and you know um but what is the purpose of that form at summer solstice it's to return oh no we don't like that 
<laughs> Let's celebrate winter solstice. Yeah, we get to do that, but I'm not sure about summer solstice. <laughs> uh, oh, summer solstice is like full of light, and that's fine and cheery and happy. But you know what happens when fullness of light is it turns into the dark. Yeah. The purpose, the purpose of the new being born at winter solstice is to fulfill itself and return. Yes. So that you know the new can come forth again. Yes. Well, that's never ending. It's never ending renewal. I had not thought about that mirror. That is that is really lovely. I had not thought about that mirror image, but I think you're absolutely right. And the fact that they are, yeah, they're, yeah, you can't have one without the other. Yes, that's yeah. really. That's and, and and you know, some of my, my students now. I just had a meeting with four of them who are in the United States recently, uh, this week. And you know, one of the things that they get from doing Pegine cosmology. Is it, or even is that you know the the conscious of it happening the opposite happening at right. the same time, and and it's the global perspective that they get. I mean they're still you know do their thing in their place the way they want to do it, but there's more consciousness that they live on a globe, you know, where yes. something else is happening and they're conscious that I'm doing something different. Yes. Yes, the opposite. It's not just different. It's just it's the opposite. And it's like, oh, how does that you know that that affects this yeah. moment? Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of what I thought when I saw some of your stuff. So it triggers this idea that actually it's an interesting thing because it reminds you that there's another half of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you <laughs> see, you know, when when this when we first when Vicky Noble, yes, I'm just going to close my um, blinds here. Yeah. Um, when Vicky Noble and Starhawk as well came to Australia and they had to get their brains around um, the, you know, different, uh, Starhawk left it up to us. She said, oh, you call the directions. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, and, and I used to be on Vicky's list, you know, and she'd send out stuff all totally addressing the Northern Hemisphere and I'd always get cranky, you know. <laughs> Are you addressing a global audience? <laughs> anyway, but you know it's, it's changed now. I mean, Vicky is totally with it. Right. I know that something's happening different, and they'll put it in the things in the email list. But you know, in the early days, uh, the Northern Hemispheric people were probably like, "This is the world. Yes. This is happening. Yes. yes. And then they the squeaky little. They call me. Uh, I grew up with the feeling that I was Glennis the Menace. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> and people have called me Goddess Persista. Oh. So, you know, the little squeaky wheels like, excuse me. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> yes. And I imagine that also gives you a very unique perspective in writing the book as well and in thinking about the cosmos. Yes. Right, because you really get to be aware of both on a on a on a regular basis. It's a real, it's a reality for you on a daily basis. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. I mean, people think that it's you know Easter coming up, <laughs> and there's always bunnies and chickens and eggs and things in the chops. Yes, and, and, and you know, I used to get cranky, but you know, I think I understand it's because of you know us Europeans are only here recently. You know, we've yes. only been here couple of hundred years and that's why it's <laughs> yes yes I agree I agree a hundred percent a hundred percent
Um, and so what, so what kind of work do you do then now? Like, what is, what, what do you do with the, the spirit, not the spirit world. That sounds a little bit weird, but yeah. What are some well, of the things that you enjoy doing? Well, you know, I mean, every day, you know, I have my um, rituals, morning rituals in terms of, you know, that incorporate, you know, exercise of various kinds of it. And, and it's always incorporating, you know, where I am in the great big cosmos mm -hmm. the incredible blackness that we're immersed in yeah um, acknowledgement of that and then you know the earth that i'm on and the uh awesomeness of what's beneath me <laughs> can't get my brain around that i can't get my brain around that but you know an acknowledgement of those of that and um, different exercises that I need to do for me, uh, my body, but always finishing with what I call the triple goddess breath meditation every day, uh, some form of it, uh, which I developed. And it, it's sort of an understanding of, of the three qualities and incorporating that into the yoga mudra. So that's part of my everyday practice. Um, and then there's the seasonal things that come up every six or eight weeks whatever it is six weeks you know eight of them a year yeah uh and i still more you know i i mean i still do that to some it, much more modified than what it used to be it used to be you know three weeks of preparation and moon court and um and i had i was younger you know the old gray mare she ain't what she used to be so i can't i don't have the energy to do what we used to do what i used to do right. but it still happens Mm -hmm. uh you know the earth doesn't stop turning so it happens and and i do it partly for the online presence you know i mean the decorations the way i do a particular space and i do it properly and it's it's not it's because uh even though i don't have the actual physical presences of people the online community is huge huge yes and, and it does feed those people it, yes. it feeds one of the I have some goddess runes and one that I drew recently was that it, it said um, you will you'll be invited to nourish those starved for the body and blood of wisdom from the abundant life that nourishes you oh wow it was written by a woman back in the 80s a friend of mine she was at these goddess rooms but yes so i'm conscious that what i do now seasonal as i celebrate them now feeds a larger community yes that's still very much present in it just a different way it's a different yes yes and i you know even for myself as a beginner the the one way that i connect so far i've only really invested in the solstices but i'm hoping to do others but the one way that I've connected has been online, you know, so like the circle of yes. sisters, we're meeting online because really that's the most practical. I mean, some of them, you know, Canada's big. Some of them are on the other side of Canada and BC. Some of them are all in the States. Some of them are in Europe. So I agree, like there is power in that online presence. At first, I wasn't sure, you know, I was like, I don't know, is it going to yes. be the same? But uh, we did one, we did a meditation for the winter solstice that was so powerful, Glennis, that I like 
had, I mean, I was on my own, we, we had all muted and someone was guiding us through the uh, meditation, but I like burst into tears over, you know, like the meditation was so powerful. But then I like scared myself. I was like, what is the emotional release that's happening here? You know, um, but it was, and it was all online, you know, like, but when you're quiet in a room, really, it's, it's very, it's, it's real. It's a real, you know, vibration. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, it must be all within us. It is, it is there. Right. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's a connection that I think we perhaps underestimated because we thought that we would have to always be within a circle, like physically. Right. And now I wonder if we've realized maybe how much more powerful that connect, that, that circle expands from all of us. Yeah. It's been very different for me adjusting to, you know, I mean, doing the ceremonies in person and I do encourage people when you can, mm -hmm. you know, to experience the ceremonial circle yeah. um, with real people if you can. Yeah. So it continues, but to trans, I was so used to that presence, you know, being able to facilitate the poetry and, and the ceremony in that, you know, physical space. Uh, so there was a big adjustment for me. Oh, you know, there has been a big and still ongoing, really, uh, of um, the limit of the difference of, you know, how to do it, how to do this online, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a different kind of yeah. skill. I do agree with that as well. Like, so when I think I was part of one circle, a couple of circles this year, and when you're present, it is very powerful yes. as well like it's just different it's just different yeah. yes yeah. i agree with you. as a facilitator of the process and probably for the participants you you can you know there's more body communication in terms of you know being able to sense the energies around yeah. it so yeah. speaking you know as a facilitator and i write about that you know the the being the the facilitator priestess evocateur is speaking to the participants and the energy between, you know, it's not as easy online to do that. Yes. So the people who attend online are much more, you know, they have to have, be much more, uh, have self-initiation, you know. True. Being able to do more for themselves. Yes. Yes. I, yes. I think that's, yes, I think that's a key importance. Yes, because I'm thinking the facilitator had no idea of my emotional outburst. Yes, right. Yeah. Right. Or where had yeah. we been in a circle that would have been very clear? Yes. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I don't even think I told her after because I felt really like, I don't know, you know, I just yeah. felt weird about it. Right. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, in the ceremonial circle where, you know, things like that would happen, there's still a, a, a respect for the person not trying to fix them. Mm. You know, a ceremonial space is where the person is allowed to do, to, to, you know, be with what they are. Right. And, and that's a skill too, allowing each person to, you know, be with whatever it is that's they're with. Uh, so there still wouldn't have been any interruption of your process, you know, True. let it be. But yes, you you might have felt at least witnessed or you yes. know somehow somehow it was okay you know? yes, yes. <laughs> but, but instead because it's online you have to be able to handle it you know yes. yourself and yes. work with it yes yes 
And that's kind of what I had to do and like reflect on it and think about it. And, and yeah, and then sort of pick myself up and go, yeah. So yeah, I think that those are some really interesting points. And I think they're going to become more and more relevant as we move forward, because we got to find that medium between being together and also being online. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So my last question, I guess, um, is what, what do you see for yourself next? Where do you, what, you know, what's new? What's next? What are you thinking of doing with your research, your time? Oh, yeah. Well, because I've slowed down, which happens, uh, there's, I'm quite busy, really, with the time that I have, with the capacities that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, certainly the new book, which is back this year. Yes. The new book, um, which is a documentation. You see, it's all very well. This one is all very well. But, you know, it was published in 2005. And a lot happened after that. You know, we actually did the ceremonies for a long time after that moon court got built. So this is the documentation of, you know, really the poet, the poetry, the, the what happened, you know. Oh wow. Um and that and it looks like it's you know, it's actually taking off. And it's like I'm kind of surprised. It's kind of like, oh my goodness, this is uh bigger than me. It's much bigger than me you know um so that it it is unfolding into you know interviews and talking and yes more teaching and i think storytelling in a sense i've set up my space a little bit with because trista hendron from girl god books who's a wonderful woman um had me read my contribution to her solstice carol's book which was on winter solstice and I read it and with a video, you know, yes. and she, uh, um, I thought, Oh, that's kind of part of the new thing yes. that I might do a bit more of. It was actually just reading and uh, a video and short, but you know, as you say, got to have, make it in digestible bits. This one was 14 minutes long, which is all right, but you know, probably needs to be a bit shorter. But that kind of thing, storytelling, and certainly this new book like is unfolding. Yeah, uh, ways that was is like awesome to me. And you know, one of the questions I ask at Lamas before we dance is, "Can the grub imagine the butterfly she will become? Can we imagine what will emerge?" Oh. And I I feel like when I think of myself, you know, fifty years ago. Can the grub imagine the butterfly she will become? I couldn't. You know, it's like the difference in the beings from, you know, 50 years ago to now, you know, it's like, oh, yes. Can the grub imagine the butterfly she will become? Wow. Uh, so anyway, there's lots. And when, and so in, when we say in the ceremonies, I say we, um, because we did for decades that the celebrant would you know we'd all have our snakes yeah and i'd say uh, you are more much more and i think and i used to think oh no <laughs> more. <laughs> how much more <laughs> yeah yes but there is always more <laughs> i love that 
Oh, I think that's I, that's wonderful. And I, I agree, Glennis. I don't think that you maybe realize how inspirational your work is. Uh, and uh, like, yeah, I, I would say that it's really uh, something that I would, I would say is sort of foundation. Like I refer to this all the time. Uh, and pass it on to my own students. Um, and and one of the things that I always say is like how good the research is. You know, as an academic, you you know, you value that. I read a yes. lot of pieces that are good, but when I read this, I was like, this is good research, you know? And so, yeah, I think you're wonderful. Yeah, well, it was, it was always important to me that it was acceptable to academics yeah. as well. Yeah. So, you know, it had to be done that way with indexes and footnotes. And perhaps yeah. some people, you know, oh, all those footnotes, but they don't have to read them. It's true. It's true. <laughs> that was a tough one for me, too. That's a tough one, I think, for a lot of us that are trying to straddle that. Um, I want to give you who this goddess is, but I also want to give you some primary source. And I also want to give you other authors and some research. That's always a bit of a tough one. Uh, but it's and not always. Yeah, and I was always keen, like I just couldn't help myself acknowledging where I got things from, you know? Yeah. Sometimes there'd be small things, but, you know, I just wanted to say that the, I got it from this person, you know? Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you for joining me. And uh, I think we can bring everyone to an end here, although stick around after I stop recording. All right, okay. Don't all right. go away. But thank you for joining me and I will put all the information and all your information and your website and your social media, all of it in the description below so that people can um, click on everything and, and look around. And I'll also share this with you so that you can share it however you like. You know? Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for... Lovely to talk with you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.